Good afternoon, Jamie. Keith Tronics. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. It's going good. I, I'm working yeah. on my mic technique. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate close. it. People, yeah. people will recognize so it. So the listeners. This is one of those things that I had to harp on so much when I worked at a cloud guru is everybody would be like, oh, do you do we, we need this like pop filter and you got to get all this like sound processing software and all this stuff. And I'm like, if you just do decent mic technique, the mic you have is probably okay for a lot it's of situations. Like mic. If it's a, if it's a mic. dynamic mic, you're probably good. It might not be the best one for your voice. Like there's differences on that. Like, cause it's essentially an mm, instrument, right? Like some people don't. Yeah. There you go. Smooth. That's so good. And yeah, it's just, it's just about having the right technique. So how was your vacation? Tiring. Holy moly, dude. Mm, Traveling with two small children is a nightmare. (laughs) Like a three. So Eden turned three while we were on vacation, actually the day we were flying back and Asher turned one while we were on vacation. So we're going through an airport with two kids is absolute. Like we had, we had two checked bags because we were gone for a week. You got the strollers. One for, the kids, one for us. The, we had, yeah. uh, we took a wagon that could break down and that's fine. Let us like coast, but you have to do like, Oh, car seats. You got to like pe- ship the car seats down there too. Yep. And all this jazz. And Eden is terrified of people. She thought my wife made the mistake of using the phrase hustle and bustle. And she thinks that is like an evil entity at this point. So it we're is. in the, she doesn't, like hustle. she doesn't like the hustle culture. <laughs> Yeah. So she's like, is this a hustle and bustle? And I was like terrified when we're in the airport because there's just a lot going on. And I'm like, <laughs> so by the end of it, I'm like, we don't say that word. You know, that's, that's a phrase we don't use around here anymore. So it was, yeah. yeah but like, butt, if we man. did not, if we did not travel with her family, cause we like rented a big house with her, her like immediate family, like her parents mm-hmm. and sister and stuff. If we didn't travel with them, there's 0% chance it would have worked. Like, we simply had too much stuff for me to even get it to the rental car. Like without this is, help. Um, this is uh I'm laughing cause this is stuff Jamie, Jamie knows. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just let other people figure it out. It's pretty funny, but yeah, that's, it, it's a pain. Yeah. Did you, so you shipped the car seats instead of renting the car seats, you know, the $50 a day car seat or whatever they are. Yes. From the rental companies, huh? I didn't know that that was even an option. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. You can check them for free. So, I mean, it's not a huge deal, but we also had a couple good traveling experiences. And by good, I mean, they sucked. Uh, mm-hmm. TSA agent on the way back, total tool. Mm. Uh, he wanted to crack into our pre like this, our sealed baby formula. And I'm like, dude, if you open that, we literally have to use it in the next 60 minutes or whatever. And the kid's not hungry. So you're, you just want my kid to not be able to eat while we're traveling all day. And he's like, what do you expect me to do? You didn't bring the ones with clear bottoms. I'm like, well, I read your website and it says we don't need that. So, um, <laughs> get off my back. And, so what happened? But, uh, well, he eventually noted that there's an other option, which is just like, you just get a pat down or whatever. And they let you go through with the sealed bottle of stuff. Um, but it took Wait, this uh, having an argument. It's it's the stupidest thing, that right? Doesn't like, even, yes, that doesn't even solve the issue of what's in the bottle. It, well, yeah, it it it's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. But it's a sealed <laughs> bottle that is more than four ounces. But the TSA says, yeah, it's totally fine if you do this. Uh, they will need to crack it open and test it. If you would like them to not crack it open and test it, you can um, have them give you a pat down. I'm like, 
so what? It's like in case I have the detonator on me, like what is yeah. that supposed to be? Like I don't know what you're getting at here, but the weird Making thing sure there it is, came from your boobs. Yeah, well, but except for its formula. So <laughs> oh, that's true. That's true. It's, it, and it's sealed, like it's factory sealed. So they basically uh, wanted us to have. They're thinking we resealed it ourselves, I guess. I don't, I don't know what the deal was. But interestingly, they didn't want to pat me down. They wanted to pat my wife down. And mm. he had to get a female TSA agent to do that. And I'm like, this is the biggest just like. Theater. Yeah. It's just theater yeah. of security. Like it's not yeah. actually security at all. <laughs> and so we had that experience on the way back. And there's a sign right next to the thing. It's like verbal abuse or threats or whatever to TSA agents may result in a $13,000 fine. So I'm like, I can't even smack talk this guy as he's about to just try to make my son starve while we're on this plane. Jeez. And cause I'm like, he, he's going to be feel threatened by my scrawny physique. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, you know, talk to him too <laughs> harshly. So good times. That's cool. I like to think I'm not an angry, angry person, but he was about to change that. Uh, We also had, while we were in a layover, we had the people in Charlotte uh, on our way to Florida say that our wagon was too big and that they had to check it to the final destination, which I'm like, it's our stroller. You can gate check it for us. And they're like, nope, the people at the other airport should have not done this done this either. And so they checked it to our final destination, meaning we had to go to baggage claim with it, which means I had to huff it across the airport with two kids and our like carry-on bags and stuff because they wouldn't let us get it off the plane. Like, oh, oh my God. Didn't have that problem on the way back, thankfully. So that was nice. But man, did you have a good uh, time in did you have a good time in Florida though, at least? I need there? a vacation now, but yeah, yeah. It mm-hmm. was it was mm-hmm. all right. I mean, the kids had an okay time. Eden's terrified of the beach because she's terrified of all things. And uh, Asher loved the beach, but they both loved the pool. So that was good. Mm. Yeah. Cool, cool. And that pretty much sums up Keith's last two weeks for the most part. I was gone for a week and then I was like preparing for being gone. And and I've been back for two or three days now and I'm still like getting catching up on sleep. Yeah. Now you need a, yeah. Now you're going to need another vacation next week. So. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Cool. So that's your update, huh? Just bad yeah, more or less, times. actually. Yeah, it's, it's basically just Keith's travel stories. And, oh, and, that's cool. Uh, fun, fun TSA stories. I got a, uh, I got an Apple display. I got a new monitor for the first time in a decade. I think. Nice. Do they deliver that with like a white glove installation? Dude, even you pay the enough pack- for it, you'd think so. Even the package, like the crappy box that gets shipped in, that covers mm-hmm. the really nice Apple box. That thing is even like an Apple box. Like it has like a, like a little tab you can pull that you just pull it and like the whole box opens. Like there's no like, you know, like packaging tape and like. They made fancy packaging for their packaging. They made a fancy. And then their, dude, their box for the Apple display is like, it has like springs in it made of cardboard. And like, you can like open the box and like the whole thing, like. You know they added probably fifty dollars a unit to the just for the packaging or something, you know. So, but it's well, they nice. know, like, dude, if these get damaged in shipping, oh, yes. we're gonna be so mad. Yes. Like, is that well worth it for us to pay a little more per unit to not have to replace one? Right, exactly. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's it's nice, man. It's solid. It's a nice display. Nice. So, it's yeah, cool. It looks good. This your? Oh. I mean, this is the webcam through the display. Uh, it is the webcam. No, no good though. No good. You're supposed to fix it with a, with a, yeah, it's supposed to have like the same, 
it has a chip in there. Same chip as like an iPhone 11, I think. Oh, okay. And like the camera, like yeah, center stage. Look, maybe, maybe it's not supported in this, but uh, I'm just joking. Through Zencaster, you look blurry as hell. But uh, yeah. uh, on I'm your not, end, I'm, look well, that's sure. just because I'm I'm naked, so it just blurs. Oh, it out. okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. It's not <clears throat> it's not like a witness protection thing. Well, that too. Um, what are we What are we doing here, man? What are we doing? <laughs> Right, this is so, why people come to this, right? This yeah, is the, the not boring talk, I guess. <laughs> um, the other thing I got, though, dude, with my Apple display is this Braun clock. You see this clock behind me? I look, Like I nice said, this... it is pixelated to hell. Really? Yeah. Well, so what is it, though? You're going to have to tell me and send it's me. Like a, like, it's a wall clock. I got a wall clock. But it's a really nice wall clock from Braun. Um, like the, the makers uh, of uh, Razors? Uh, B-R-A-U-N? I, so. I mean, they're all, you know, there's like six companies in the United States, right? Like True. Yes. One of them makes like baby powder and mm-hmm. everything else. And yeah. So it is, Disney but it is also made by Dieter Rams. If you know who Dieter Rams is, the designer from 70s, 80s? Dieter? No? Okay. Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, anyway, I got a cool wall clock. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the show notes. Send a link yeah, to yeah. this clock. Yeah, I'll do that. Um, but speaking of like work, Work stuff. We talked about vacations and crap that we got. Um, mm-hmm. I did do quite a bit of work on Tetsu again. Nice. Yeah. I'm happy to hear about it. Um, yeah. So I worked a little bit on the. I also have some questions for you that I want to. Nice. I want to bounce. Off Ready for you. these? Yeah, yeah. Um, so one thing I did was I worked a little bit more on the onboarding. Um, and the, the, the wham bam, the wham bam, right? So you're uh, creating your meeting template through a conversation, sort of. Mm-hmm. Um, so I worked on that a little more, but there is a um, there's a um, problem with storing. <sighs> okay, let me let me try to put this in a podcast friendly form. Um. Right. So when creating a meeting, there's a specific spot in the meeting where it lists all the participants um, that are in the channel that you mm-hmm. selected that you want to have the, the meeting in. And then you can select what participants you want in that meeting mm-hmm. through checkboxes. However, the one thing that I need along with these. So when you click on one of these checkboxes. Tatsu gets a response, right? It says, mm-hmm. hey, they selected this user. But I also need what the meeting ID is that they're interacting with. Okay. Does that make sense? Which you don't so, have when they're setting up a meeting? Well, I don't because... So the first step in setting up a new meeting is they select the channel that they want to create mm-hmm. or create the meeting in. So once they select yeah. the channel in the in the API, we I create like a meeting template, mm-hmm. and it has the the channel in it. Then the next step is to select um, the participants they want in their meeting. Okay. So when you select, when you display this view in Slack, you know you can think of it as like a checkbox list that has IDs and values, right? Just like a web form. Mm-hmm. So when they click on one of these, you get that ID and that value of that checkbox you 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 clicked on. 
However, I also need the meeting ID that they did in the previous section, like okay. the previous ask, right? Because we created the meeting ID, right? Okay. And so I need some state to hold this meeting ID in. Now, the way I got around it in previous um, in previous apps, Slack apps I've worked around worked on, is um, we would encode additional information into this value that you would get back. So the value is just a string, but you, you, we would encode like, you know, any other, other additional information we wanted in each of those values. So not only would you get the ID, but then you could encode, let's say the meeting ID and and with that. Mm -hmm. I hated doing that because, um, it made the action IDs non-readable, right? They're just encoded that you'd have to unencode, right? And then gotcha. um, it just it just kind of breaks it breaks down the whole architecture. Like you're clicking on um, a button or a checkbox, you just want to know what that ID is. You don't want to have to parse that out, get the ID, but also get this other information. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I've been thinking of, and the other thing that sucks is Slack. Um, if you would, if you would create these checkboxes on other surfaces in Slack, so not just a message, but if you created it in a modal form, mm-hmm. they have this um, other field called private metadata, which is basically just a, a string or a JSON string of additional information you want to carry on with a request. Think of it gotcha. like hidden fields in HTML, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. But they don't have this on the messaging surface. They don't have this private metadata field on the messaging surface. So in addition gotcha. to having this like action ID that we create, um, you know, when there's a message, now there's a different way to, tr- to use this additional view state when you're on a, on a, um, a modal surface. Okay. So, and I don't want that disparity. Like when you're sending a message, I don't really care where you're sending it to. I just want the API to kind of be the same in Juve. Gotcha. So I've been going back and forth with various ways to, to solve this issue. Mm-hmm. And one way is I could do the, the whole encoding of additional features into this ID field, which is a hack mm-hmm. and it feels like a hack and it's a hack. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds, sounds like a hack, but it, uh, sorry, go ahead with your other options. And then we, the we'll other, the other option I thought of, um, was just having a view state, like just some hash, um, that you store with some sort of key, um, that is kind of stored out of process from the Slack request. And it's just called like view state. And it's just kind of a bucket that you can get based on, I'm thinking what the current channel is, what the current user is, and what the current team is. Based on those three things, you can kind of get, you can kind of get this bucket of view state stuff that you can update yourself whenever. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So it would basically, you're, you're creating, um, 
a small key value store, right? It's like a compound key that exactly. allows you to store like a dictionary basically of like extra fields that you want that is then accessible. It's basically like pa- passing around a context that you keep yeah. out of the request cycle. Yes. That sounds pretty clean to me. Honestly, that doesn't sound bad. Like, and mm-hmm. th- this is something that Juve would manage basically. Yep. Mm-hmm. Is that what the idea? Here? Yeah. Like the controllers so, would just have a, a field, an attribute called view state. That's just, you know, that you could read okay, from. So would you set like, so saying we have this like view state thing and, um, are you expecting to be able to do like view state, like, and then key into like meeting mm-hmm. ID and get what you want for it? Yep. But before that, you would have to do like view state dot set or something, or, you know, view state uh-huh. set. Yeah. Something would have had to set meeting ID. Yeah. Or put, yeah, whatever that is. And then, yeah. And then you just mm-hmm. give an error of like, oh, this action requires these keys to be set in the view mm-hmm. state before. That's a good idea. Work. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing you'll run into is you're going to run into key errors potentially at some point if that view state doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I think that sounds. It definitely makes the um, the networking surface an, a lot clean cleaner to mm-hmm. read. Like if you have like any sort of instrumentation around this, like seeing what is happening, you'll be like, oh, okay, cool. This person is making a request over here. Blah blah blah. Yep. Like, yeah. It'll make it a little bit harder for you to, and I guess actually you could probably like, if you wanted some like really deep logging, you could just have it log view state for each request or each like request that's coming in for those things, because they would be very specific. It would be like this person in this channel for this organization, or it's like what workspace channel person. And then mm-hmm. it would give you the the stuff and you could be like, oh, this is their, this is the context or I, I like context better for whatever reason. I think it's probably because we use that word a lot in Shopify, but yeah, this yeah, is the view state. Juve, actually. Kinda, it's funny. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that sounds pretty cool. And I think that sounds like a really powerful abstraction that you could take to different, because almost everything has the concept all like, I, I mean, I assume anyway, most of the chat platforms that you're going to support have a concept of a workspace. Mm-hmm. probably like that's the one that I think might be like weird. Like, I don't know that Facebook messaging has a workspace concept, does it? Or maybe it does. I think, I think so. I mean, it has your, your now. Facebook account, yeah. your business account or, so, or something, I believe. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that feels like it would be fairly cross platform yeah. as a way to have additional context that you're like, I need this. I'm going to set this for myself uh, yeah. right now. And I was just going to store it in, Probably like a OTP process, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you could use amnesia probably to, yeah. Um, if you really wanted like a database mm-hmm. type thing for it. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Um, great. So, and then the, actually this kind of brings up another question. One of the things I've, struggled with, and I talked about this last week, was, you know, in the beginning of Juve, I went out and created this whole, like, process architecture around the bot, around bots. So, like, mm-hmm. when it sees a new bot, it starts up this new architecture. I built that. <clears throat> it's great. However, when I started building the request process thing, mm-hmm. um, so right now, the plug, there's a Juve plug that gets a request. It's, it's mm-hmm. routed in the hosted application. So in a Phoenix application or whatever, if you're using plug, you just say, hey, any of these requests that have slash slack, you know, go send these, send these to, yeah. to Juve. 
And then Juvet does this whole like middleware processor piece where it um, it'll verify the request is coming from Slack. It will um, route the request to the right route based on the request. Mm-hmm. And then it creates a controller and calls that action with the context mm-hmm. of what it just ran through. N- neither in, in none of that architecture do I then create this bot. Yeah, you don't need a bot, right? Like well, it's kind of that that's my kind of my question. I, I think so what I think I want to happen. Let, let me know if if pretend you were building a bot, how you would want this to happen. Mm-hmm. So my idea was my idea now is to to make this a little more um a little better in that when you create a controller and call the action, you, it has like just an action with, um, with just one parameter and which is the context. And that will have like mm-hmm. the request that came in and, you know, make sure it's verified and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. The other, th- the one thing that I want to happen at the end of that middleware request, I think is to then generate a process or if it's not created, just generate the process or just use that process and then have this request go through that process. So now the controller gets a context, but then it also gets a bot process. And the reason I like the process idea is because then any anything that you're doing to respond to that request is done within the context of this process, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And- Can you give me an example? Yeah. Um, let's say, um, let's say you're starting up a new meeting, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, you get a, a route, a request that says, start, start new meeting, set up new meeting. So it's going to go mm-hmm. to the, uh, setup controller and call the new meeting action, right? And pass this, mm-hmm. this thing. One thing I think I want to go before that, once you get to the controller is now you have a bot process that knows about this request and this context. Mm-hmm. And so now you can say things like, um, all of your logic as far as what the bot can do is now within the bot. So you would say something like, um, bot create meeting or something. And then the create meeting portion would happen within the process of the bot, because then that way, any errors that happen, they're just stuck within that process. Right. So you're not bringing down, you know, all of Juve or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I guess that is one benefit. If you're using like it for the supervision tree and not trying to take things down, I think mm-hmm. that's fine. If each individual other- request, Oh, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I want to bring out though, too, is this bot is where you would have, um, how do I put this? Different skills. That's where you would identify the skills. So like setting up a new meeting Mm -hmm. is kind of the skill of the bot, but responding to Slack or to Facebook wherever you're setting up this new meeting is the job of the controller. 
Okay, so this is your business logic layer. Exactly. This is the business logic layer because the other thing that that allows is mm -hmm. now you can have um, uh, um, events. Do you, you need a controller at that point? Can you I'm have sorry? the... I mean, uh, I was going to say, do you need a controller at that point? Can you have you, those like dynamically generated almost? like you, you do, but it would be generated in the context of the process now. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? I don't know what you mean there. I guess I'm thinking like, um, just from like, at this point, it doesn't seem like the controller is going to do much. And I don't know how much is, is Juve leaning into like, con, uh, not con, uh, convention over configuration as a thing. Yes. Yes. Okay, so I'm thinking about it kind of like how Ember used to be like, if you're not customizing it, the controller is just there. Like it's yes. dynamically generated behind the scenes, like kind of thing. So if you created like a, a meeting controller, then it could give you behind the scenes like the the various things. It's like we will call if somebody does a get or I don't know the requests in Slack. So I'm just like whipping this stuff out of nowhere. But it could like call proper things on an associated bot name. Mm-hmm. Like that's what I'm thinking right there is like you could you could bypass it and be like, we can actually handle the routing stuff for you. I mean, all the like the networking logic, we can just handle that. You just put your business logic here and you just define your routes here. These are realistically the only two things that you mostly need to define, but we will give you a hook if you need to define customizations in this uh, networking layer. Yep. I think yep. that would that's, be cool. That's what and then and then the other thing that that gives you is now it gives you a distinction between middleware, which I was doing as part of the request process mm -hmm. and skills or plugins. Yeah. Maybe that is part of the, like the bot process, the business process. Yep. And so now you kind of differentiating that, you know, you work with requests in this way and you work with bot processes this way. And there's kind of that, that differentiating thing is kind of exactly what you talked about. If you need to, add custom middleware that has to happen on every request, like let's say authorization, right? Mm -hmm. um, you know, you can put it there, but if you want to handle this specific case or this thing, then that's a skill or a plugin. And then you do it in this way. Yeah. I think that sounds pretty cool. Yeah. That okay. seems, seems reasonable to me to separate if you can give it. Cause what you really want to give is you want to be like, I want to take away all of the, networking crap from building bots so that in reality you can just work on like what does your bot do and mm -hmm. then we can give you a very good interface on top of it to adapt to whatever platform you're working with exactly and yeah i think that's a total win so in that case i think yeah going down the route of having the bot process architecture for being the business domain layer yeah. it seems like a really good solution yeah because then you can just you're just working with inside your bot Mm -hmm. And you can handle um, functions and methods using um, pattern matching. And it's mm -hmm. just a really nice, uh, yep. I'll have to show you some code uh, once I get to yeah, that no, I, point. Just, just talking about it, it sounds good mm -hmm. to me. Yeah. Because it sounds like you have like super slim controllers at this point that are basically just like bot do a thing. Like send a mm -hmm. message to a bot and you're good. Mm -hmm. Um that's yeah. that's a lot of like what the code is right now. And I'm trying to figure out a way to slim that down. A lot of the code is like, you know, generating the API to send the message back to Slack. Mm -hmm. And I want I want an easy way, just like in Phoenix, where there's just like a send response function. 
mm-hmm. that's all I want. So you just say send message, send modal, send whatever. Um, and then you can pass in a platform, an optional platform, and it, it will use those templates and generate the correct response based on whatever platform you're on. Well, I think the funny thing there is you could have it tied to whatever initiated the, Mm -hmm. so like you wouldn't even have to, in your bot, ideally, you wouldn't even ever have to say the platform name because the way the call stack would work out is your controller would have all the context of the platform and stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it calls a method on your bot, receives like a generic response back. And then it would be like the controller's job to like shape it. To be like, this is what Slack needs or whatever. That's exactly right. But I am also, Juve is also going to support multiple platforms going out. Yeah, but I, do you need? No. Um, it's going to no, be an I'm saying, would your con- No, but would the controller be specific to a platform? No. Oh, the template, okay. Maybe that's The why. template yep. will be specific to a platform. Got it. Okay. And speaking of templates... One last question. Remember how I said I had one more question? I lied. Uh-huh. I have one more question. Okay. So I've been looking at templating. Right now, when um, Slack has this idea of a thing called b- block kit, which you just think of it as like a JSON payload that describes a user, user interface. So you can mm-hmm. have like a section and then a section can have buttons and then, you know, buttons have properties and all that stuff, right? Gotcha. Okay. So you're not sending it like HTML or anything like that. You're sending it this kind of proprietary JSON string. You're sending it a JSON format that gets turned into HTML. Yeah, it gets into HTML. Right. Which then gets turned into just beautiful. Anyway, um, it actually is really nice. So I've been thinking about um, how to generate these platforms, or I'm sorry, these templates. Mm -hmm. So currently, the things that I built before, which were in Ruby, we had, uh, we used JBuilder actually as the templating language. And we had like, you know, if you wanted a section, you just drop this section um, thing in and then specified Mm -hmm. some things. And so I could go that route where I use um, hex. No, no. What is that? What's the templating? It's hex, right? Hex. H-E-E-X, right? Yeah, Yeah, I didn't know if you say hex or, because I know there's like leaks, right? Which is like the live, live view stuff. Is that how it's, pronounced <laughs> i don't know I, I literally say l-e-e-x every time that's what i yeah that i i yeah, i don't know I, I never said that in a podcast so <laughs> or in a talk um so i could go that route where it's a templating language but i could also go kind of the declarative route where you ha- imagine having like a module called block kit right mm-hmm. And then you could just kind of say dot section, pass in some data. And then you could say like, you know, you could have a, uh, a do, um, a block in there and then have children part of that. You know, you could say like block it dot. Yeah. Yeah. I think and there, you're looking at a, another DSL here to there's a JavaScript DSL. Cleanly. Yeah. There's a JavaScript DSL. It's called block it builder. I think in Nodeland. Um, that kind of is, has this kind of declarative approach and I kind of liked it, but Mm -hmm. it doesn't, it kind of, A, I don't know how you would do like components, right? Cause you may build up like 
if you do the templating version, you could build up components, right? You could say like, this is our header. Mm. This is our, you know, this is what our um, page divider looks like or whatever it is. Or this is what our paging mechanism looks like. I feel like the templating thing gets kind of tricky too. Like just looking, be like the way that like uh, EEX works in general. It's kind of like, are you templating JSON chunks? At you would point? template um, because you probably, could technically do that, right? Like yeah. you could have the template just be JSON stuff, and then you would create things that, like, everything has a render method on it or function that's essentially that, re- that returns a chunk that's just JSON, but the things you pass in get subbed into the right spots. Yeah. Um, I think combining those at the end might be a little weird uh, because you would be like, this is an inner JSON piece, as long as, because is everything JSON like ob- an JSON object at the end of the day? Yep. Mm-hmm. Then, then in that case, yeah, as long as it starts and ends with a curly brace, like you're good to go to kind of put the things in the middle. That that'll probably be the easiest and most dynamic way to do it. That for as the implementer, um, like on yeah. on your end, I think the declarative syntax will be really easy for simple use cases for people just starting out using Juve, right? They would be like section, blah, 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 button, blah, blah, blah. Like they could mm-hmm. being able to kind of chain those things off or like we do them inside of a block that DSL would be cool for that, but it, it would be a lot harder than when they wanted to do something bigger, right? When they're, yeah. they're getting to the point where they're like, our application has design patterns that we use for these things and yeah. we want to be able to reuse them easily. Then the templating approach seems like it would work a lot better. Yeah, that's what I was leaning towards too. The the one thing I do like about the declarative approach is like you could build in all the validations kind of in the temp in that declarative approach. So like a section needs to have a type and it needs to have, you know, this required field and this required field. And so you can kind of build that in with a declarative. You could d- build it in the templating as well. It just be a lot harder. Yeah, um, it would. You'd have to build it in, in like components layer, yeah. right? Like it would almost be the kind of uh, when you're doing like a live view component thing. I don't. It's been a while since I've looked at Elixir, uh, but when you're kind of pulling in the like, this is the thing that I'm extending, right? You're like, this is going to mm-hmm. be a controller in Phoenix mm-hmm. land, and you do the little like extends or whatever it mm-hmm. include controller, and then it like gets its extra stuff, like you could basically be like includes Slack section or something like that. And then it automatically has some validation that it can do on the yeah. uh, outputted result from the render method. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. But you wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't get that benefit off of uh, things that were not componentized, right? Which could be a push to like, you just need literally all of them to be components at the end of the day. If there's a certain you know shape that these things all turn into like you just don't give them the ability to like pass you a string right like at the end of the day you need to return me some sort of um struct that implements all this stuff yeah yeah that's how like the ones that i've already kind of built like we have like partials for section but then we have a, a partial for a um uh a list header right a list header component mm-hmm. and then like each of those um, base types have like base elements. So we've kind of followed the Slack hierarchy in terms of their block kit and made them that way. And it, that turned out really, really nice and really easy to use. So that's kind of why nice. I was leaning towards that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, cool. 
Nice, man. So yeah, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to work on that um, stuff. That's kind of a lot of like, yeah, I'm like, that's a ton of stuff. I feel like we just had a huge conversation about this. It was good though. Like yeah. I like hearing where it's going with the bot process business domain stuff. So I'm like, ah, this seems so clean just in my yeah. mind's eye. Right. It is so nice. It is so good. So. Um, just the code that you need is it's very minimal. I can't wait to like start getting into generators and all that stuff. But anyway, Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to start working on that with the start command and actually getting a meeting started and, and up and running. Um, the other thing I did that was kind of fun was I drew up a mock-up of kind of a new landing page. Nice. So my idea is to have next.tetsu.io that talks all about the next version. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, and the call to actions is just going to be a sign up for an email so you can Nice. Um, and my my goal is to when we do these podcasts, I'm also going to send out an update. So every two oh, weeks when nice. we do these podcasts, I'll also send out an update of what I was worked on. And then I have sections for like new features that are going to be uh, talked about, um, new features that will be coming. Um, and then I'm actually going to have a section of uh, kind of a change log. So I'm going to have a change log that. Mm-hmm. You know, my updates will be also on the change log. And then I'm um, going to have a list of YouTube videos because I'm going to start building this um, in the open. I don't, did I talk about Fuck Around Fridays? No, we have not talked uh, about okay. this. I'm going to start this new uh, thing called Fuck Around Fridays. Nice. And when on um, Fridays that I'm available, uh, about five o'clock or so, I'm going to just, uh, just going to code and get drunk and fuck around. And record it. And some of those might be on Tatsu. And so I'm going to upload those um, as uh, on this new landing page. So just to drum up, hopefully, excitement. Um, nice. I wouldn't get stuff. too drunk then. Uh, well, I mean, that's just me, man. Like, I'm just. That's, that's true. That's what I do. You know, I don't really know. That's true. I don't have Tatsu's a stop not button. corporate. Yeah. Oh, it's not corporate. No, no. I mean, there might be other. Well, I'm not saying too. for the sake of you do, not doing. It, I'm just saying for the ones you attach to Tatsu's like landing page or whatever, you might not want to be past oh, the no, ball. I don't, nah, I don't care. No, I don't care. Okay. All right, we're good. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, because my goal is, I've been thinking a lot about marketing. I've been reading, um, obviously, awesome. Have you heard uh, by April Dun- I Dunford? I have not heard that. Yeah, it, it talks about like how to. Um, position your 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 sass and all that stuff and going after kind of a group of people so the group of people i'm going after are developers because obviously stand-ups kind of we invented the stand-ups and a lot Mm -hmm. of my teams that i have now are are a lot of development shops so that's why i'm thinking like kind of the develop leaning towards the uh developing it's a good approach it's a good yeah yeah. well and it's like I, i can tell you like Stand-up meetings can get off the rails and it's hard to orchestrate, like sort that stuff out. And like right now at Shopify for like my team, we use GeekBot for like some async stuff and and it sucks. Like it's so inconsistent. Like it randomly removes people from the group kind of thing. Like I've, I've been randomly removed from our async stand-up group no less than five times in the last six months. Well, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So just like random stuff like that. But it's like, that's one of those ones where you're like, no, what is better than this? 
is. And I don't know how much Geekbot costs or whatever. I'm sure it has some sort of cost to it. But uh, yeah, it's like you get developers to be like, you know what would make our stand-up meetings like way more productive? And I could send my manager a little bit of a, you know, like recap so that they could read it or whatever. Yeah. Uh, is blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, kind of do this thing. And yeah, that's that's a good target audience because I don't, and making it more like, you know what? This dude gets me. This, this yeah. gets me. Yes. That's yes. Good. Yeah, there's... um. There's a few things that I, that know of these existing stand-up bots do. And one is getting rid of the stand-up in terms of like, there's really no value saying, like Keith saying, hey, I'm working on issue. I worked on issue 49 yesterday and today I'm working on issue 49 again. Do you have any blockers? No. The value of that <laughs> uh, no. is nothing. So what Tattoo is going to do, which I've already talked about, but it will automatically create that for you so you don't have to actually go and do that now if you want to update it if you want to add additional context if you want to do that you'll have the chance to do that and then uh, so that's will actually thing. do that it, it says i can use my update from yesterday as a thing yeah but you have to have to type it out this what tatsu is going to do is you can connect it to github to Basecamp, to trello to whatever nice. it's gonna so i've been kind of experimenting with that with the the AI side of things in the background, and that's it's fun to work with. That sounds awesome. Yeah, that sounds yeah. Cool. Except when you get just a random response that just says green. Um, uh huh. That is AI smart sometimes. Uh -huh. <laughs> so yeah. Hey, so right it now, figured I, out its colors, dude. Get off its back. <laughs> it hasn't been alive very long. I built uh, this like manual way to email Tatsu, just bullet points of stuff that you did. Mm -hmm. So that, which basically is, you know, all your activity, right? You know, I did this mm -hmm. on GitHub, I did this. And then converting that into a human readable summary is kind of the thing I'm working on. So every, not every nice. day, but a lot of days I'll send it an email with just, um, you know, bullet points, lists of things I've done and it'll convert it into a, a sentence. It's, and sometimes it works nice. really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> Other it times it says weird stuff. Yeah. So... Um, yeah, never, never just ship the AI's response. Just no. always review. This is what the computer said. Thought you <laughs> yes. said. This is what the computer um, said. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, here's a feature request for you because this is the yeah. one thing that is like valuable from uh, our standups. And I don't know how all well these work for remote standups, but I'd like to get your take on it. Is uh, being able to note like this is a parking lot item kind of thing of like this isn't good for like stand up because this is this is the big problem with stand ups that we run into is when they get off the rails is somebody who just goes off on a freaking tangent and then is like asking people questions about things midway and instead of being like i did this i did this uh i ran into this problem i want to talk about in the parking lot if anybody wants to stay and talk uh, and i should not be blocked today other than that thing uh, that's go. what you mean by parking lot yes, yes it's like uh that, that was actually like bring me second. out to the side chat yes that is actually the second part of ta that tattoo is going to do. So on certain things, I don't know how it's going to be implemented yet. I was thinking about adding like a reaction. So if you go to somebody's um, stand up and either they're asking, they're explicitly asking you for help or they mm -hmm. need an issue, you can say, I can help you with that um, either by adding a reaction or comment. I don't know yet. And it will generate, it'll create a new, channel for you guys to discuss this in and then the channel's contents will be 
um, can be, you know, edited, recorded, and nice. you can attach that cool. to that standup. Yeah, because there there is no standup tool right now that that does the important thing of getting people unblocked. Mm-hmm. And that's the that is the most important part. Anybody can take reservations. Mm-hmm. But the but you want actionable items to come out of that. Um and yep. yeah. Yep. So that's kind of the, the second big focus. Good deal. Dude, once you get it done, you let me know and I'll try to convert yeah. uh Shopify to using this. Yeah, little, I, I mean, I don't know how bad I really want your small little companies like Shopify, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. I don't really have that many developers, you know. So I always think about the fact that like legitimately Shopify's tuple subscription probably pays. Oh for the salaries of like two of the, oh. or three of the people at Tuple. You know what I mean? I like bet. I would bet. Yeah. Cause it's all of us. We all enterprise. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah now crazy. I know how they can afford to hire three more people, mm-hmm. but okay. Well, this has been great. This has been a super fun. It's a little bit long, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm glad that I didn't have a huge update because it gave us plenty of space to talk about all this exciting stuff in Tatsy land. I appreciate uh, it, me, man. I appreciate over my you. next two weeks, I'm still, I'm hopefully going to, uh, if I don't get a video out regarding design pattern stuff, like we had talked about last time, I at least want to have a good roadmap for like, these are the videos that I'm like, if I can have a content roadmap designed for myself, that would be pretty good hmm. and have a good solid, like first video out. I would be really happy if I can do that in the next two weeks. Do you have a feel for like how often you're going to be on the content wheel? Like, um, it depends on, so I built a lot of productivity stuff into content creation when I worked at a cloud guru. So like if I can come up with my designs or my, my like topic stuff, I can probably batch create quite a few things and then just plan to release it every like two weeks or something. Oh, that's cool. But have it only end up taking me like two hours to record and edit and do all that jazz. So yeah, that's, it kind of depends on if I can get back into uh, finding the, a right, the right time of day for me to work on it or whatever. Cause a lot of times, like in the evenings, I'm just fried from work and yep. I don't tend to want to do stuff anymore. Then, so finding the right space for me to work on it will be the biggest hurdle, but then, yeah, I'd like to get back to a regular cadence. It probably won't be once a week anymore because kids, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's, it's kind of the goal, but the biggest problem is like I used to have was knowing what the heck I was going to create on any given week. I would make it up the day before and be like, this is the next thing that we're creating and go, yeah. go off on that. So like laying it out in advance and having kind of a calendar for these things is very helpful. Yeah, and that'll that's help. That I need um, to do initially yeah, just to kind of keep myself like, this is the task. Like we're moving this one into, into, uh, to do right now or whatever. So <laughs> that's sort of my goal. I'm hoping to have at least a small, content roadmap cool cool like right, it, well man. i will talk to you in two weeks Peace. Bye.